And so I think that there's something for entrepreneurs that are successful. It is, is that they're resilient. They just, they find a way it is for, for it to just be water off their back. You know, I think that's one. I think the second thing too, is that you, you have to learn how to live in the eye of the storm, right? Like there is, there are always going to be distractions. There are always going to be things it is that say, you know, Sam, you just, you shouldn't go to this meeting or it doesn't make sense. Or, you know, you're either going to invest into payroll or you're going to pay yourself. Or, and if you don't pay yourself, then that means you and the wife and kids are eating top ramen again this month or something, right? You know, right. You're always going to be in a situation to where there's trade-offs and things to distract you from where you're going. And successful entrepreneurs figure out a way to kind of live in the eye of the storm. Hello, dreamers and action takers. Welcome to another episode of Want Money, Got Money podcast. I'm your host, Sam Kamani, and my guest for this episode is Jeremy Hill. Jeremy Hill is the founder and president of JB Capital. Now, JB Capital is a merchant bank that provides creative, tailored solutions through provision of capital strategy and operational support. So, Jeremy, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. I've been waiting to talk with you and learn more about you. Um, So, yeah, Jeremy, what are you up to these days and what are you excited about these days? Oh, I'm excited about a lot of things. Right now, I'm excited it is that it is no longer raining in Seattle and the sun has come out. And uh, (laughs) That's great. uh, You know, sometimes we got to find simple pleasure. So I'm certainly excited about that. But uh, definitely excited about you know what it is that we're seeing uh, you know not only in the economy and the change and the, mm-hmm. the craziness it is that's going on amongst COVID you know anytime it is that there is uh, um, you know a big market shift or market change there's always an opportunity and, absolutely and, yeah and it may be disguised as something else that we weren't planning but um, I am confident that that for you and your business and what you're doing and me and mine and. Uh, yes. The guys it is that are listening to this, that, that there's going to be new ways it is that we're going to begin to adopt and change and move our businesses towards that we that we wouldn't have thought about before if we weren't forced because of all this COVID craziness to begin to think this way. And so I'm seeing some changes in my business that I'm really excited about. And so, uh, you know, looking forward to see what tomorrow holds. That's great. Um and talking about your business, I um, would love to know a bit more about JB Capital and what does JB Capital do and how you got involved with it. Sure, absolutely. This is the wonderful working at home, right? There's my security system with a dog barking. That's that's all good. So it's, uh, you know, it, it reminds me any more so now of, uh, it, you know, there was what, 18 months ago or so there was... Uh, all of the conversation going on around Brexit, right? And yes. so I remember watching this interview. I remember watching this interview. It is with somebody who was doing an interview with BBC, and all of a sudden his his you know baby comes running. Baby comes and, running and, in. And the yes. wife is going crazy and grabbing him, and you know the yes. guy was just mortified. He was just yes. mortified, right? And now that's just Tuesday, right? Like I know. <laughs> Everybody, nobody, you know, dogs are barking and, you know, whatever else, right? So forgive yep. me for that. That's so for good. me and my business, so JB Capital, I have been in the investment banking and advisory business for about 20 years. And so uh, our primary business really had been in um, advising companies that were past the friends and family, mom and dad, rich uncle round of raising money. 
but yes. they really weren't yet to a point to where they could warrant attention from anybody with any real capital. Yes. And so we did about three quarters of a billion dollars in transactions and advisory work for growing companies across the country. A lot of success, a lot of fun, made a lot of money, met a lot of great people. About yes. a year ago, um, we made the election, it is, or I made the election to move out of the middle and, and form basically our version of a private bank. So now, rather than advising these, these families and family offices and different private funds, um, we're writing the checks off of my balance sheet and our investors' balance sheet. So all that means in a long-winded way of saying it is we operate like a, a private version of a commercial bank to where we're making credit investments, loans across North yeah. America, that is to growing businesses. So we, we love getting involved, it is, with, with good people that are doing great things. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. Um, does JB Capital only um, give as a loan or does it also take a stake in the company, a bit like a venture capital firm, which takes a stake in the company as well? Yeah, really. I mean, so there's, there's, you know, kind of two philosophies, right? There's, yes. there's you know, equity or debt, right? And yes, I've exactly always, right. In my brain, right? Mm-hmm. I've always in my brain uh, tended to look at things more through a debt lens, right? There's, so just like you said, there's, there's venture capital and private equity and angel investors and a number of different ways to do so things. Many. I've just looked at things as a lender. So for us in our fund, I don't make equity investments. I make debt investments. Um, sometimes our debt investments will have, you know, warrants or something attached to it. So there's a little extra, uh, um, you know, something that may come from us acting like we have equity, even though we really don't. Um, And really that is to hopefully ideally create a degree of kind of parity with us as wanting to be something more than just a lender, right? Like I don't, I don't want to just rent you money. Like I want to hopefully have more of a, a, a catalytic effect on what it is that you're doing with your business. Like if, if, if the only thing it is that I'm providing Sam for his business is a checkbook um, and I don't provide any other value, then I shouldn't be giving you money and you shouldn't be taking it. Right. Like there needs to be more than that. And so hopefully we do a really good job of that. Excellent. And what sort of um, businesses do you support with this sort of um, capital or what sort of businesses do you guys invest in generally? Sure. So uh, four buckets of capital. So number one, technology mm-hmm. and technology-enabled services. So yes. think about software technology, uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence, these you know companies it is that are moving that way it is that are using that type of technology uh, in order to solve large, boring, robust business processes, right? Like I, I like that world uh, and where that's going. Um, More of a catch-all would be kind of business and business services. So these are uh, professional services companies. So think about uh, law firms, CPA firms, financial practices, insurance businesses, wealth management businesses, that kind of a thing. Um, And then two, in that business business service side, um, I really like uh, consumer products and kind of food and beverage. I really like that space as well. Um, The third would be healthcare. And so in the healthcare space, um, we are, I'm not really interested in, uh, drug development, life sciences, biotech, drug discovery. There's here in the States, there are, there's candidly just far too much regulation. That is early on to do this. And it's, and it's really kind of a, a big binary outcome. Like it's going to work really big or it's going to fail really big. And there's plenty of other guys that are smarter than me to figure that out. So I don't pretend to do yeah. that. So for healthcare, I like 
the kind of the healthcare MSA space. So, uh, you know, you own uh, 20 optometry clinics and you want to buy open 20 more in California or something like that. Like, I like that business. I like the the walk-in medical triage clinic, the 1-800-DENTALS, the uh, emergency clinics it is that you see in the corner. Those are typically good cash cow type businesses um, that need to grow, right? So I like that world. Um, I love the med tech and health tech space. So kind of the intersection of technology with healthcare. Um, And then obviously with everything going on that's COVID, um, the telehealth space has grown dramatically over the last 12 months. Um, we've made some investments in that space probably over the last 10 years or so. And now that's definitely, yeah, it's taken off crazy. Um, and then the last and final bucket is real estate. Um, and so about 15 to 20% of our overall portfolio allocation is in real estate. The other 80% is in normal commercial businesses. And so this is really meant to operate like a private version of a commercial bank to where, you know, the majority of our assets are normal commercial businesses, you know, Sam's coffee shop or restaurant or software yeah. business, whatever it is. And then, you know, you've got a real estate project as well. And so ideally for our investors, we're creating not only a, a geographic, but an industry diverse portfolio of assets that's generating cash flow for our investors. So hopefully yeah. we're doing a job of that. Fantastic. So you are, it is a diversified or, or quite um, agnostic in the industries that you invest because it's quite a wide range. Yeah, it is. And, and candidly, it's meant to be. And, and for us, I, you know, as a lender, now I think private equity can do it different, right? Private equity or venture capital can do it different because you can have a venture capital fund that's focused specifically on early stage software businesses or early yeah. stage tech or whatever it is. As a lender, we we have a little bit more flexibility in in I don't really care if Sam's business is in software or healthcare or real estate or you know mm-hmm. beverage business or one thing or another because I'm 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 just renting you money for a little bit. Right. And yes. so I'm my capital is really meant to be kind of temporary, right? It's it's for those businesses it is that the bank can't quite get its arms wrapped around, but yes. you know, traditional private equity. Uh, uh, or larger private credit from an institutional approach, they they really can't afford to pay attention to. You. So if you don't need to borrow fifty million, you need to borrow five. Yeah. Well, it's you're in this kind of you know you're in purgatory, right? You're not yeah. in financial heaven, but you're not in financial hell, and you you know you need yes. somebody it is to kind of help you through that, and we and bridge that gap. Yeah, we do a pretty yeah we do a really good job of that. No, that that makes. That makes sense. Uh, I do have a question about, you know, I mean, maybe it's just me. I, I always saw um, tech startups as a much higher risk investment compared to say like a physical, you know, the optometrist clinic, you say, um, like a chain of clinics or something like that. Um, how do you price risk or <laughs> how does that work? Sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, so the... You know, the, the the venture model or kind of the earlier stage tech model, you know, is really, I mean, it, it's different than where we're at, right? And so I think Absolutely. one of the things, especially for startup guys and a lot of guys in your audience yes. it is that are listening, yeah. it's really important to understand for you who you're asking money from. So if you're going to go raise money, Sam and Jeremy's, you know, software business, whatever it is that we're doing, right? If you're going to go raise money or we're going to go raise money, it... it we really need to understand what how we want that money to work, 
Do we want that money to work in equity, which means we're going to give up a percent of our business for, you know, Joe, the rich guy or a venture capitalist to give us money? Or are we wanting to try to see if we can uh, borrow money for a little bit based upon, you know, the progress of our business? And it's, and it's, in my mind, it's, it's equities like marriage and debt is like dating, right? You know, like yeah. if, I, if I'm borrowing money and a year from now we don't get along, we don't have to date anymore, right? That's fine, yeah. right? But if, if Sam and Jeremy are, are raising money through, a, you know, a venture capital firm and a year from now, I don't like you. Well, now it's kind of like you're in a bad marriage and it, it can be, it can be difficult to unwind that, right? You know, it can yeah. be expensive or it can, I mean, candidly, it could kill your business. So yeah. it's important for people to understand who they're talking to. And so, you know, the venture guys are really looking at stuff that are typically a little bit more early stage, ideally, right? Yes. And they're looking at coming in and having their capital for equity. I'm going to take a percent of ownership of your business. They're looking at their capital coming in and actually having that capital ideally turn around and provide somewhere between a, a seven to a 10 times return yeah. on their money invested in about a three to four year period of time. And so everybody's heard the old adage of, you know, the, the, the venture capital, the guy looks at a hundred businesses. It is to get down to 10 to write one check. And of the 10 checks that he writes, you know, five or six of them are total garbage and they lose all their money. Yes. Two or three of them do okay. And maybe one or two of them, they just shoot the lights out on. And, yeah. and they're hoping for those ones it is that they shoot the lights out on to make up for their losses on the other things. And so for me, I, we can't afford to have any deals go bad. Yeah. Right. So we, we, you can never map to a hundred percent perfection, but whereas a, a venture guy may be mapping to a 40 or a 50% you know, default rate for lack of a better word, that, that it's not going to go well, we map to like a 2% <laughs> default rate. So oh. it's, it's really just, it's a different philosophy and how it is that we look at things, how it is that we price risk. Um, and so for us, that's kind of how they work. For me, I'm looking at, you know, kind of 11 to 13, maybe 11 to 15% is my cost of capital, right? Yeah. So I'm not equity, but I'm not your local bank either. Yep. It's very interesting. Very, very interesting. First time um, I am interviewing someone who is um, doing what you are doing because most of the times I have interviewed people, they are um, from the traditional um, angel fund type or a VC, you know, just yeah. a VC background or, or even a public VC, like government funded VC, because few yeah. countries are starting to have that, like government support for startups and all that. So it's it's very interesting to find all these different places. And and as you say, you guys are so different to just a traditional bank. Doing what you are doing, you would have met so many founders or entrepreneurs of small businesses and yeah. startups and, and all sorts of people. In your view, what do you think makes some founders or entrepreneurs stand out compared to others? You know, it's, it's, that's a fantastic question. And, you know, I, I think a couple things is, you know, number one is, is probably resilience. Like this is, yeah. this is, this is going to command more from you than you think. And so you've had a couple of successful exits and, and I'm sure that you've advised and been friends with a number of people. And there's that, yes. there's that thought of, if I would have known what it was going to take to get here, 
I don't know if I ever would have started, right? And so I think that there's something for entrepreneurs that are successful. It is, is that they're resilient. They just, they find a way it is for, for it to just be water off their back. You know, I think that's one. I think the second thing too, is that you, you have to learn how to live in the eye of the storm, right? Like there is, there are always going to be distractions. There are always going to be things it is that say, you know, Sammy, just, you shouldn't go to this meeting or it doesn't make sense. Or, you know, you're either going to invest into payroll or you're going to pay yourself. Or, and if you don't pay yourself, then that means you and the wife and kids are eating top ramen again this month or something, right? You know, right. You're always going to be in a situation to where there's trade-offs and things to distract you from where you're going. And successful entrepreneurs figure out a way to kind of live in the eye of the storm, right? You find that little piece of sunshine um, in the middle of the the thunder and the lightning and the crazy, right? Um, Then I think the last thing really is too, is you, you surround yourself with smart people. I am, I am smart enough to know that I am exceptional at three or four things, which means I'm pretty half-ass at about three or 400, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I, I need to bring other people around me, whether they're friends or employees or partners or advisors it is, that can, that can help make up for my shortcomings. And a lot of times entrepreneurs want to bring other people around them that think just like them. Yeah. So, so then it becomes a, uh, kind of an echo chamber. chamber of, yes. Well, yeah, Sam and I always agree. He's just like me. He's a great guy. I'm a great guy. You know, right? And and that doesn't that doesn't move the business the way that it needs to be. Yeah. Look, I I love that the quote that you just said. I will have to make clips out of this. It is the thing that you say that <laughs> successful entrepreneurs are comfortable with living in the eye of the storm. Yeah. And, and, you know, and a lot of them even thrive living in that sort of, um, and that has absolutely been my experience as well, talking with pretty much two or three founders every single day for the last yeah. year and a half. And that is that people who have come through the most adversity, I find them the most interesting to talk with because um, absolutely. They I mean, think about, the, think about the guy that you interview tomorrow. You're interviewing this guy and he says, well, you know, Sam, I, I started my business. I met with one investor. He gave me $20 million. And then the next day we had a hundred customers. And by Friday, like I was totally rich. Um, <laughs> right? Like who cares? I hate that guy. Nobody wants to hear. Nobody wants to no, hear. The, the thing is, what questions do I ask that person? I have nothing to ask. It's like it's all sorted for him, or, or he just inherited. You know what? Oh, I just inherited twenty million, and so I never even had to go and do the fundraising. Never yes. even had to face any questions that the investors asked me. <laughs> so th- there's nothing to yeah talk about. But yeah, but uh, it is it is very very um, interesting. Out of all the investments you have made, what is the one or two that have really stood out for you or have um, performed much better than your expectations? You know, I think really, and this is, and this is going to sound cheesy, so forgive me, but I think the, the single best investment it is that I have ever made um, uh, is in myself. Yeah. It is in myself. It's that I was 
I, for as long as I can remember, I have always been uh, reading. I have always been, uh, you know, before there was podcasts and audiobooks, I was always listening to a book on tape or listening to a seminar or going to a Tony Robbins deal or going to any, anything, anything, just, just, just investing into myself and into my brain and into my psyche and those types of things, right? Like if you, you know, everybody is concerned with, with losing weight and getting thin and having bigger muscles and looking better in a bathing suit and all these kinds of things. And, and they, and they're willing to diet and go to the gym and do all this kind of thing. The things that they forget is that you you also need to do mental pushups, right? And those, those mental pushups are come through listening to things like this that come through listening yeah. and learning on a podcast or going to a seminar or buying a book or reading a book or watching a YouTube. And, and I've always done well with that. Um, so I've invested there and then I've invested really heavily into my friendships and into my relationships. And a lot of the folks it is that were business relationships 20 years ago were best friends now. And, yeah. and these people become, um, your friends, they become your advisors, they become your psychologists, they, you know, they, yes. right. And they're, that for me by far has been the best thing I've ever spent time and money in. Oh yeah. I, I cannot agree more. Your network is your net worth. That's exactly, exactly right. And yep. Yes. And, and your network enables you to be in the right place at the right time. If you are just isolated, you have no connections, no network, it is very hard to position yourself in the right place at the right time. That's what I have experienced in my last 20 years of applying for hundreds of jobs and never getting. But being successful in business is because of my networks that I developed over time. And that's what I realized. Every single opportunity I've got is just because of my networks and the relationships I've I've developed. And yeah, I mean, that's that's perfect. Um, how did you get started into what you are doing now? It's like, it's not a traditional route for 99% of the people or, or even more probably. <laughs> That's exactly right. You know, for, for me, candidly, it was kind of by accident, to be honest with you. I, um, I had gotten into the real estate business. So this is 20 years ago now. I'd gotten into the real estate business. Um, I grew up to where it is that uh, uh, my father and grandfather were both in the construction and architecture business. And so I've been on job sites since I was a kid and I love watching buildings come together and love watching the tractors move dirt. And I could just sit, I just love it, man. It's great. Um, but I got in the real estate business here in the state of Washington. And in about six months, I was totally bored. You know, there was about 25,000 different real estate brokers and now there's 25,001. Right. And everybody's smarter than the guy next door or down the street or whatever. And I thought, this is this is a stupid business. Yeah. And um, it's not a stupid business. It's a great business. I mean, I've got lots of friends that are in that business and have been wildly successful. It just wasn't the right business for me. And so I was meeting with a developer one day and we were talking about, you know, just him and he had a good reputation. And uh, uh we get to talking and, and I said, well, you know, tell me about this next project. And he starts telling me and he goes, but I think I'm going to list it with so-and-so. And I said, well, I'm not, I wasn't interested in listing your business. I just wanted to get to know you. And he's like, well, what do you mean you're not interested in listing? And so we just, you know, because I wasn't there trying to hustle him, yes. we just became friends. And so I, through the course of the conversation, I asked him, I said, well, Jeff, how are you, how are you financing all of this? 
And he says, oh, well, you know, we have a little bit of our own money and the bank's given us a little bit. We have some investors that we have to go out to and so on and so forth. But for this next project, I'm about half a million dollars short. And I said, well, do you want, you know, do you want help with that? And he said, well, yeah. And I said, well, you know, let's talk about the project and see what you need. And let me, let me see if I can help. And so in about three weeks, three or four weeks, I raised him half a million dollars. Um, I didn't charge him anything because candidly, I was too dumb. I didn't even know I was supposed to. Right. And so I was like, well, that was kind of neat, you know, learning and doing something else. And then maybe a month later, three weeks later, I get a call from another developer who says, hey, Jeff, my friend over here told me that you helped him raise some money. I've got another project it is that I'm working on. Do you think it is that you could help me? Uh, Maybe. So I go and I sit down and I have lunch with the guy and he kind of goes through the whole story and he says, well, hey, I'm looking, you know, for this and I'm kind of short, you know, seven or 800,000 bucks. And do you think you can help me? I think so. And he goes, well, what do you think this should look like? And I'm like, well, you know, from all of my experience for two weeks that I've been doing this or whatever it was at the <laughs> time, you know, I'm like, I think that it should kind of look like this and it's going to cost something kind of sort of like this. And he says, okay, well, l- let's do it. Okay. I'm not sure what we're going to do. Right. And he says, well, um, what do you, what do you charge? Huh? Well, up until, up until now I charge nothing. Right. And so I'm like, well, agents are charging 3%. So um, it's, it's, I charge 3%. And he goes, okay, I can do that. Great. Do you have a contract or something you can send over? Sure, buddy. Happy to send you one. Right. (laughs) And so we kind of shake hands and I'm leaving and he goes, Hey, by the way, what's the name of the company? Uh, it's, uh, JB capital me, right? JB it's JB capital. And he goes, Oh, I've heard of you guys. And I was like, yeah, sure. You have, you know, (laughs) Oh my God. Right. And so we kind of shake hands and I get in the car and I I jump on the phone uh, with my attorney and I said, Hey, I, I think I just started a business and he's like, uh, okay. And so I kind of tell him what happened and he's like, Oh my God, do you have any idea what you're doing? And I'm like, yeah, kinda. And I said, but look, I need a contract today because I got to send it to this guy and here's what it needs to say. And Oh, by the way, you need to go form a new company called JB capital. And it's gotta be JB capital. Cause that's what I told this guy it was called. Right. And so yep. like so many people, that, that I've worked with over 20 years and that your experience and the guys that is that listening, so many people just, they want everything to be perfect. And it's not going to be, it's just not. And so the, the key thing to learn is just, just start, God. just, 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 just put your right foot out and then put your left foot out and just, just start and keep going. Like you, you, you have no idea what's going to happen. Just, just go. That's that's obviously what's happened to us, and it's been it's been wonderful. Quick question, super interesting story. How did you? So many questions. How did you <laughs> raise that first half a million? I just you know I had been in business for a while. Yeah. I knew a bunch of people, and I just I started calling my friends. Hey, have you heard of this builder? Yeah, I've heard of that guy. Yeah. He's got this project that he's working on. He's a little short on this. This is kind of what it is that they're trying to do. Do you want a meeting? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Uh, great. Let's go have lunch. Right. Like it, it, I, I, I didn't know what I didn't know. Like I, I was too dumb to be smart. Like I didn't know that I should have had a presentation and marked out cash flows and showed them here's your return and here's your risk. I didn't know any of that. I was like, he builds really cool stuff. Yeah. Wanting to build some more of that really cool stuff and he needs some help. 
Sam, do you want to come help him with me? Uh, maybe. Okay, well, let's yeah. go meet him, right? Like, I just, all I was good at was selling the other guy. Like, I yeah. was selling the fact that he was cool. He had a good reputation. He built good houses. Me, I'm just a dummy in the middle, right? Yeah. Like, I, I just, I'm really good at, at, at playing the dating game. Like, let me take your good thoughts and your good ideas and your good thoughts and your good ideas and you two should meet. Yeah. That's, that's excellent. You know what I really admire about this story is that you had no hesitation in going out and just calling someone and asking them for this. So many people, so many like tech startup founders, if they're from technology background, they are really scared of sales. And and a lot of the things in life is just sales, whether you're asking someone to marry them or asking your kids to go to bed early or or whatever it is, it's just sales. You're just selling your ideas, your vision, your inspiration, whatever it is all the time. And and you had that initiative, their courage, um, you were proactive in that. And I feel like that has played a role and you probably has never had um, that hesitation. I don't know, like... Um, even now that you do the same thing pretty much. Um, but if, if you stop at that, then it's very hard to. to yeah. Um, I mean, it's you, everybody needs to find something it is that, that they're so excited about, or they're so impassioned about that. They just want to tell, they want to tell the story. They want to share the story that they believe in it. Yes. And, and for me, really, at the time when it started, I really had no agenda. Like I wasn't trying to, you know, go get somebody or sell them or what. I, I was just this guy needed help, and I was just trying to help him. And and yeah. and and that twenty years later turned into a really nice business, right? But it, yeah. it didn't didn't start with that. I think you know a lot of tech entrepreneurs are trying to say, hey, if we can build this widget and do this and do this, we could immediately go raise fifty million dollars, and then we could uh, go public and we'll sell for a billion dollars, and then I can finally get my yacht and my supermodel. Like, dude, no. <laughs> like it, it, there is something to the process of solving problems. And yes. for the earlier stage guys, you, you do not want to take the mindset it is to where you're going out trying to meet with a hundred investors, because in that business, the thing it is that I learned for the earlier stage stuff is that if you yes. ask for money, you're going to get advice. Yes. And I if you ask for advice, you might actually get some money. Yeah. Right. And so it's, there is a there is a pragmatism to early stage tech deals that you need to start developing kind of your army of advisors around you whether they invest or not you you can't go at it with that mindset you need to say hey sam i'm working on something here's what it is that i'm doing i'm super excited about this we see the need here i'd really like your opinion because you've done xyz whatever it is i'd really like your opinion on what it is that we're doing to make sure it is that not only are we telling our story the right way, but I want to, I want to make sure it is that we're really identified the niche it is that we think we have. Right. Because if Excellent. Sam has built and sold two companies or 20 companies or whatever it is, you know, something I don't know. So let me show you what I'm thinking and have you poke holes. And all of that is just, and that's like, that's like a free university education. It is. Right. It absolutely is. That is, once again, excellent, excellent advice. You are an avid reader and, and you read a lot. And so I'd love to know, where do you think the world is going um, in the next five years? And in your point of view, um, what are the key sort of changes happening in whether it's economy or, or business or anything like that? 
Yeah. Well, God, you know, that's, that's a big question. I mean, (laughs) that's a big question. I think, you know, here in the States, I mean, so, so globally, I mean, the things it is that we're going to see is that we're going to continue to see a push towards technology, right? Like technology is not going to go backwards. Like we're not going to go from the iPhone back to a Motorola flip phone that doesn't have a game. (laughs) That's not going to happen. Right. Um, you know, so I think it is that we're going to see obviously continued progression in technology. Um, a lot of it's going to be around communications, right? Mm. Is that, you know, if you look at what's happened toward with even Zoom, right? Like yes. Zoom a year ago was kind of an irritant and now it's you and I. Essential. Both, it's essential. We're on 20 Zoom yes. calls a day, right? Yeah. So five years from now, there's going to be either an iteration of a Zoom that is going to be, you know, 10 times as fast and it's going to be more kind of, uh, uh, 3D. So you and I are actually going to sit across, you know, a desk or a conference room together. So it will, will be more, you know, three-dimensional rather than how it is that we're looking at it now. Um, I can see communications being heavy. Um, the other thing it is that I can see is I can see it is that we're going to get into a world from a technology standpoint to where I don't think we're going to be in an AI world yet, but machine learning uh, and simplifying a lot of things it is that have less human touch. I can see that becoming more and more prolific. Um, energy is going to continue to be, uh, um, huge, right? We, we obviously, you know, the Teslas of the world and this kind of thing are going to cross, you know, a number of different spectrums from whatever it is that Elon does, um, to anything else. I think we're going to continue to see that. And then I think we're going to continue to see advancements in healthcare, both from a drug development and drug discovery side of things to even just normal, you know, you know, nutritional health. Right. Oh, absolutely. Um, living longer. Like, I mean, think about when you and I were kids, I'm 45 years old. When I was 15 years old, if I met a 45 year old guy, like he was an old fart, right? Like that's an yeah. old guy, right? Like yeah. now 45, dude, I, like I can keep up with my kids. I'm just as young yes. as they are. Right. So, yeah. you know, you and I are going to live to be 90 and it not be a big deal. Right. Because yeah. of those. So I see a lot of, I see a lot of that, I think so far. Um, the concerns I think that you see is yes. you you look at concerns on kind of a geopolitical standpoint across the country at kind of what's going on and how people are dealing with COVID. There's obviously geopolitical concerns. It is significantly with what's going on in the United States with our elections. You know, yeah. tonight we're having uh, I think our first debate between Trump and Biden. Yes. Um, it, that's who knows how that's going to go, right? So there's yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of unrest globally it is. And so it's going to be interesting oh, yeah. to see in the next two or three years, really what happens and how countries uh, um, are beginning to deal with each other. So it, it's interesting to see what happens there. So. No, that's great. Before we go, I have these three sort of quick fire questions. Yeah. The first one is what is the book that you're reading right now? The book it is that I'm reading right now is uh, twofold. Number one, I'm reading uh, 10X by Grant Cardone. Yes. I'm also reading A Billion Dollar Whale. Uh, Billion Dollar Whale is about the, uh, uh, whatever the guy is, the Malaysian guy it is that ripped off the government of Malaysia. I know, I know. Jolo, Jolo. Yeah, Jolo, yes. Uh, Is there, was there a, did he finance a movie as well or something? Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Wolf of Wall Street. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, a, I don't even know what it was, a however many billion dollar, you know, yeah. loss 
Yeah, it wasn't, uh, was it what, uh, one Malaysia or something? I forgot. Yeah, I forgot the scam. But I, I have lots yeah, of Malaysian friends. Of Malaysia, right? It was basically taking the, the, yeah. you know, the wealth of the country. Oh, God. Yeah. Mess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah those is. are my two books that I'm reading right now. Yep. Is there any podcast that you recommend? Yeah. I, 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 I'm sure, like you, I'm, I'm voracious in podcasts, right? And so there's a couple it is that I'm listening to. So uh, I listen to a guy named Andy Frisella. He has the, the MF CEO project. I like that. It's pretty hardcore for most people. Um, and it's really just kind of attitude and success and a number of different things, but um, it's not for the faint of heart. So I like that. Um, I listened to a guy named Dean Graciosi on the real estate side yes. of things. So uh, yeah. Dean and I have messaged back and forth a number of times. He's down in Arizona, super good guy. Yeah. Uh, uh, listen to those. I listen to some finance podcasts, you know, a Goldman Sachs podcast. I yeah. like that. Um, there's actually a really good podcast. Candidly, it's Oprah. Oprah has one called Master Class, And it's like a 25 minute behind the scenes interview with um, actors and politicians and singers and songwriters. And it's kind of this, you know, old school Barbara Walters from like the sixties and seventies interviews with the rock and Justin Timberlake and Simon Cowell and Tyler Perry. And I just, I love hearing those stories. Those are just, yeah. those are fantastic to me. Yep. So those are a couple. I'll, I'll, I'll check, I'll check some of them out. Of course I've heard of like um, Dean Graciosi and, and yeah, I mean, he's very, very popular in, in the whole entrepreneurs um, sort of groups and stuff. Um, <clears throat> final one. And that is if you had unlimited time, money and resources, what would you build or what would you work on? Wow. Unlimited time, money and resources. You know, candidly, I think I'd solve a lot of the problems I'm trying to solve right now. Yeah, you know, I, I uh, I've never seen what it is that I do as work, and so I, I work seven days a week. It drives my wife crazy because it just for me it's enjoyable. So um, I love working with businesses and entrepreneurs and making sure it is that we are giving them the the firepower it is that they need to achieve the yeah. things that are important to them. And if I had an extra hundred million dollars in my bank account, I would do the same thing. I would maybe take a different vacation or drive a different car, but I would do the exact same thing it is that I'm doing now. I just I. I love that. I love solving problems. So I would do what it is that I'm doing just maybe on a bigger scale. Yeah, that is, that is great. It's yeah, that's perfect. I mean, I'm the same. I work seven days a week because I love my work. It's not really work. It's fun. In fact, sometimes when you go for holiday with kids and stuff, and then you come back and I am waiting to go back to work to relax and (laughs) (laughs) de-stress. No, my wife and I are on holiday and we're, we're in the Caribbean or we're somewhere else or, or whatever. And it drives my wife crazy because two days after I'm there, I'm like trying to buy the Slurpee stand in the Bahamas, you know, like, yeah. I wonder how many Slurpees he sells. Today. <laughs> oh my God, drives her crazy. Drives her crazy. <laughs> no, no, I, I completely understand and sympathize with you. With you. Yeah. So that, that's great. Um, I have, I will link to your LinkedIn and to your website um, is there any other way people can reach um, you, connect with you or follow you? Sure, absolutely. So, you know, outside of our, you know, normal social channels, yes. uh, you know, we, we started a podcast earlier this year called the Jeremy D. Hill Show. You can find us there if you, if you like. And so I yes. uh, would love to share that with your audience if they absolutely. like. Absolutely. It it's Apple, Google, Spotify, everywhere else it is that you go find the Jeremy D. Hill Show. And then if you need anything too, I'm just Jeremy at jb-capital.com. Your listeners are more than welcome to reach out, you know, as friends or if they have questions on anything, we're happy to do what we can to help. 
Sure, I'll put all these links in the description of wherever this goes. So thank you so much, Jeremy, for coming here and giving us all this knowledge and insight into your world and into the world of private equity and, and funding and loans and everything. So thank you once again. Oh, I loved it, Sam. Thank you so much for having me on. I had a great time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Want Money, Got Money with Sam Kamani. Hope you enjoyed the show and got some valuable insights that would help you in your startup or your business. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate this show on your favorite platform. It would be extremely helpful and I just cannot tell you how much I would appreciate that. 